3: Let's roll. Level three has begun. This is Sports Ridge. I am Gable Moran. the pencil parts, awesome. Some people to bust up, but everybody else in between. So we've got. Uh, there's no NBA for. I don't know how many days these guys need off. Like if you actually think about it, they didn't even try in the All Star game. So you guys didn't try, but well, now you need like another week off. <laughs> like after not trying over the weekend. Okay, all right. I guess it is what it is. So uh, we're focusing in on uh, college um college basketball but but the college football playoff format was announced earlier in the day uh today so there's been a lot of talk about you know expanding the college football playoffs so we they they did it we're going to 12 teams and they had to readjust the the format the format was going to be six conference champions like the five power 5 conference champions and then one of the other ones, like all right, Mountain West or American Athletic or something, whoever whoever the best one was, they would have been in as well automatically. But with the with with the Pac twelve not existing anymore, they had to redo it. So they've come up with a five and seven format, which I don't have a problem with it. For the record, I didn't I wasn't asking for a twelve team playoff in the first place. Cause once you get into a twelve team Nothing's going to change. Now people are just going to complain. Well, it should be 16. Well, it should be 24. So just get it over with and make it a freaking 2014, turn them into 32 teams or whatnot. I would go 24. Like, honestly, it's, you know, college football, it's always about the top 25. So just have it like that. You know what I mean? The top 24 and one or something. I don't know. But whatever. And it doesn't matter. Every couple of years, they'll change it. Right. So, you know, they used to not have any format. It used to just be votes, and then they were like, "Well, we can't just have people voting on this." Shout out to everybody joining us on Sirius XM. They couldn't just um, have um, they couldn't just have you know I can't just have people voting on this. So then they came up with the computer, the BCS, and then people really hated that at first. They were like, "This is the stupidest idea ever. We're going to have computers deciding." And then the BCS was actually good. And then they were like, all right, let's do away with the BCS, and let's do the college football playoff with this 14 stuff. It's hard to believe it's been 10 years of this. But like I said, it'll change again. It'll always expand. But so what it's going to be next year, though, is um, under the 12-team playoff format that begins uh, this fall, the four highest-rated conference champions will be seeded one through four, according to the rankings. And they're all going to receive a first round bye. So essentially, they're still going to play the same amount of games. The top four teams, everybody else will have to play the extra games. Uh, teams will be seeded five through twelve. Will play each other in the first round on the home field of the higher ranked team. And uh, so basically, we're going to have the the Big Ten winner, the SEC winner, the ACC winner, and the uh, the Big Twelve winner are all, all automatically going to be in the college football playoff. And then whatever whatever conference champion of the other ones, like the Mountain West or the American Athletic or whatnot, they're going to be the, the fifth team in. And then the other ones will be wild cards. But it's essentially going to be the college football playoff rankings, as we know it now, right? So you win your conference, you're in, essentially. You win your conference, you're in. And then after, there's going to be um, there's going to be seven spots available for non-conference winners, which be careful what you wish for because people thought and wanted and somehow thought that expanding the college football playoff is going to open up the door for everybody and stuff when it really isn't. It's going to open up the door for more Big Ten teams and more SEC teams, which was the end goal, right? I mean, newsflash: the Big Ten and the SEC are running college football right now, and there's even going to be a power grab. Like basically, the SEC used to be like the head mafia boss of college football, and the Big Ten was like the you know the lieutenant Don type thing. Now it's almost becoming like, listen, the Big Ten is more powerful, but and I'll tell you what: right now, the Big Ten and the SEC—they're going to merge eventually right they'll just they'll 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 make a super league where it'll be like the SEC is like the NFC and the Big 10 is the AFC and then they'll play each other and you know what I'm saying like it that that's that's the the route that we're taking here but whatever you know what's going to be wild though is the college football playoffs next year the semifinals are going to be the same weekend as the um as the NFL wild card next year. So that's going to be a crazy-ass weekend of football. They're going to have, like, what, six wild card games? (laughs) Six. what they do, the three and three, whatever. Or they split it up, right, with the Monday, whatever. You know what I'm saying. You're going to have all these wild card games, and you're going to have the college football playoffs rolling on, too. So there's going to be more football, more games to bet on. Ultimately, you know, it's not like the NCAA tournament, all right? So, long story short, now you're just going to get more teams. Let's roll. This is sports rage. Yeah, I am game over The If the place the hustlers, the people to the bust them, and everybody else in between, let's do this thing. We've got a big-time college basketball game going on in the Bay uh, right now. St. Mary's are up a five spot on the Dons at the half. It's 30-25. to 25. I've got the over 132.5 in this game. So I'm not exactly ecstatic about this low score, but it's not that low that it's impossible for us to get there. As far as the number is concerned, it's 7.5 right now. Now, they closed at 8, 8.5, depending on your book. So it's 7.5 now. San Francisco has been hanging around for the most part. And then St. Mary's went on a little bit of a run late in the first half. I think that St. Mary's are eventually going to pull away in this game. You know, like I look at, you know, it's seven and a half right now. They're up by five, so they got to win the second half by three points. I think they will. I think I think they're the better team. San Francisco are a good team, but I think St. Mary's in the second half will eventually pull away uh, in this game. So let's lay the seven and a half for some late-night action, baby. Let's roll. And speaking of action, Major League Baseball, spring training, exhibition baseball set to begin. and I don't look at exhibition baseball in the same way as preseason NFL football in which you know we we will bet sizable units on on a game if we have an angle. Major League baseball in the in the exhibition Cactus League and grapefruit League, it's it's unpredictable. Just because a team is starting their quote-unquote starters doesn't mean they're going to win, doesn't mean they're going to be in the lineup very long. And I think when we'll get into this tomorrow night, actually, because it starts on Thursday, but identifying hot teams, right? Just ride the hot hand when it comes to, uh, to Major League Baseball exhibition betting and fade the cold teams. It's as simple as that, right? It's not like, oh, the Dodgers are going to win for sure. No, the Dodgers don't care if they win a spring training game or not. Right, so, and in fact, good teams are good to fake. Rick Saratella steps up and in. This is Sports Rage.
2: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering: real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Uh, scrubbed the
3: Chicago Bears from his his social media accounts, and the oddsmakers took note, man. And, you know, it's amazing watching the betting markets, uh, Rick, flip around. One report about Mike Tomlin being a fan of Justin Justin Fields moved the odds. Justin Fields scratches the Bears uh, from his social media accounts, moves the odds as far as the Bears making a trade. It's going to be a fascinating couple of months, bro. But my gut tells me the Bears have
5: kind of given an inkling that Justin Fields will not be back. They will be moving on to Caleb Williams. And you move from one diva onto the next diva and uh, hope
3: that you swing for the fences and and hit a home run this time. Last night, Justin Fields was plus 250 to still be on the Chicago Bears, which I thought was ridiculous. I tell people this is why we talk about this stuff, guys, every night. And I give you the updated odds. It's a stock market, so when you hear me talking on Monday about something at plus three hundred or something, it doesn't mean that that's like it's set in stone. It's not a point spread. This stuff is going to change, and it's amazing how fluid the market is already. So the favorites to land Justin Fields right now, the you know the actual bet is what team will Justin Fields be on in September? The Atlanta Falcons are the favorites right now at plus one hundred. The Steelers were the favorites yesterday. I'm just not buying this Steeler talk. It doesn't seem like that's sort of a Steeler move. I'm not sure they're really ready to throw Kenny Pickett under the bus yet. Let me ask you, would you move on from Kenny Pickett? Have you seen enough of Kenny Pickett as a starting quarterback of the Steelers to know that he's not the guy?
5: Well, I don't know if you want to move on, Gabe, but I think I've seen enough to know that I want to bring in some competition. Now, my understanding is that the the debate is between Kenny Pickett or Mason Rudolph. I don't think that's the, for the record, I For the record,
3: I've heard the Steelers, and it's, no, it's weird because the Steelers, you think of them as a functional organization, but supposedly, Rick, the Steelers, there's they're completely split. There's all kinds of different camps. And I you know, I'm not in the room, but from what I understand, the Roonies aren't ready to give up on pickett. They think, well, you know, we just drafted the kid and you know what I mean? He got hurt. He hasn't really got a full chance yet. I think Tomlin is basically, bro, we gotta get Justin Fields or we gotta do something. Cause I'm dying out here. Right? I think that's Tomlin's take. And I think the GM is sort of, well, you know, uh, Mason Rudolph played pretty well, and you know, he looked pretty good. He doesn't cost a lot of money. I think they're nuts. I'm with Team Tomlin here. I think they need a new quarterback.
5: Yeah, and I think this is the dilemma that half of the NFL is in, where you have a capable quarterback, like he can keep you in ball games, yeah. but Mason he's Rudolph, not terrible, but yeah, yeah. I mean, but I'm not going to bed like having dreams of Kenny Pickett hoisting a Vince Lombardi trophy, right? So, you know,
3: so like, no. I want to bring in some. That's some the point. Practices. Isn't that what it's all about? You're right, Rick. That's the whole thing. It's like, I don't know, man. You you'd think of Kenny Pickett and you think, oh, maybe we can be a wild card one day with him or something. Like, like you said, you got to think about what the upside is. And isn't that why the Chicago Bears are going to make the change? Yeah, Justin Fields is good. Yes, he's got a lot of potential. No, he's not terrible, but we think Caleb Williams is better than he is.
5: Well, yeah, and I think to a couple of points you made, the the market is going to dictate the value, right? And I also think, like, the collective bargaining agreement that was made about a decade ago was enacted essentially so that, you know, you didn't get penalized for drafting Sam Bradford and have to wait five years. I mean, Demarcus Russell said the rookie quarterback deal. Ten years, yeah, right. That now you got guys, Mac Jones. The Patriots are picking in the top three. They just drafted Mac Jones two years ago. They're gonna probably move on. The 49ers. Well, same with Pickett. They, same with Pickett. They, same with, Pickett. Right, pick it. same, same with Trey Lance. Trey Lance, we're moving on. Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. There used to be a <laughs> five year sort of thing. Now it's like, nah. You got one or two, and like, if it's fair or not. So, what about like another one? Similar situation. What's your take? I see a lot of mock drafts. With the Giants taking a quarterback, I don't believe it, Rick. I don't think they do it. Like, they're on the hook with Jones still, at least for another year. He's going to be there. They're not going to eat that money. And is he good enough? It's one of those deals. He's not bad, but is he good enough? I don't think you think he is.
5: Have the Giants made the playoffs with Daniel Jones? I, I can't remember. They made it last year. They won a game. Yeah, they did, and they got right. smoked.
3: They did They did once, and they got smoked. Right. You're right. So,
5: yeah. I mean, listen, the body of work tells They really me got that- killed, too. <laughs> Didn't
3: they lose, like, 53-7 or something stupid like that? Yeah. But
5: anyways, yeah. And, again, I think the problem is, like, can you win ball games with Daniel Jones? Yes. Can you win a Super Bowl with Daniel Jones? I don't think so, you know? And I think the Giants have so many other dilemmas, like – they're not that. That's my deal, team. Rick.
3: They're not that good, the Giants. So it's not just Daniel Jones. They're not a quarterback yeah. away from winning. That's the thing with that team. Well, they 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 have been
5: revamping the offensive line for the past decade. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 paid a, they paid a quarterback twenty million dollars last year. They got all these holes. Dude, they can't find a playmaker. They're maker. terrible
3: at the draft. They're they're bad at the draft, aren't they? Like they always uh, just like they dude. Going back, I swear to God, check the damn tape. I was flipping out. I'm like, guys, you can get your new Lawrence Taylor and Micah Parsons. You, He's right here. You can take him. Well, we got character mm-hmm. concerns about him. So instead, you let the Cowboys get him. So instead, you let a division rival get him, and you traded down to take Kadarius Toney. Because, yeah, there's yeah. no character issues there, Rick. Like, dear and God, that, bro. Like, that, they're a that. disaster, this team. That was the year after
5: they traded up to take DeAndre Baker. After the trainer. oh yeah, told the kid me, that, like,
3: that, that robbed
5: people at the poker game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow, well, that kid. Yeah. So, 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 so he was training for the combine down in Florida. The trainer said, "Yo, DeAndre Baker showed up for the first day, and we never seen him since. We don't know where he is.
3: We can't get a hold of him. No wonder he why was busy, he wants- too busy robbing people at poker games." <laughs> right. Yeah. They got so, they went uh, DeAndre Eric Baker out of Georgia, just to refresh people, he was good in yeah. college in the Georgia Bulldog, but whatever. So he was a Georgia Bulldog, good offensive back, got to the NFL, got lit up hard as a rookie. Like he got torched out on the field. And then in the off season, he got upset about a poker game in Miami that went wrong and he showed up with his boys with a bunch of guns and stuff after. So yeah, there, there was another first round pick. <laughs> first round pick. <laughs> yeah.
5: Buckle up, man! Eric Flowers. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So,
3: you know. So, what do I you do think believe... they do? What do you think they do with that fifth pick then?
5: I, I do believe that Joe Shane and Brian Dayball are on the hot seat, and so they don't have the time to necessarily. They got their. They got their kind of.
3: six crazy season.
5: When 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 Daniel Jones. Uh, was injured. They got the extra extension, that grace period with Daniel Jones. Now they have no choice. They're all in. They're tied to Daniel Jones. They're tied at the hip. They got to win with him, or it's game over.
3: I said fifth because I was thinking of the Chargers and Brock Bowers, but Brock Bowers would be good on the Giants, too. But Brock Bowers would be good on any team,
0: like, to today. Well, honest.
3: there's just too many other
5: teams. There's a, too many other needs. I don't think you're going to take I know. Brock Bowers – ahead of one of the wide receivers. You know, they need such
3: a they need players. Yeah, neighbors. neighbors is a name name that we hear a lot. We'll we'll hit this some more on the other side with Rick. This is portrait.
0: Reese, you did it! You stumped this charming devil.
3: The Twisted Tuesday continues. This is Sports Rage. I am Gable Moretz. The countdown to the combine is on. It begins on Monday in Indianapolis. And I don't know how much longer it's going to be in Indianapolis, actually. There's been talk about uh, moving it around, sort of like the National Football League draft, because it's just uh, such a big – it's just so big right now. Uh, But the, the quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, the real showcase day is going to be Saturday, March 2nd. And we've spent a lot of time talking about about Caleb Williams and Drake May, and the quarterback's going to be going, you know, in in the the potential top five. But Spencer Rattler is a player that I'm very interested in seeing how he does in Indianapolis. I expect him to do well. He had a great senior bowl week. He's, you know, he stuck out the most um, at at the senior bowl week against all those other big-time quarterbacks there. And what I like about Rattler is he's faced adversity already in his career. A lot of these college quarterbacks, the blue chip kids, will come into the National Football League. They haven't faced adversity in their personal lives, and their professional, like, playing lives. They haven't lost a lot of games, right? They've, things have come easy to them. They've been treated with kid gloves and really, you know, like look at the way Caleb Williams has been treated compared to the way Spencer Rattler has been treated. Spencer Rattler was a five-star recruit coming out of high school, uh, went to Oklahoma. Ended up losing his job, all right? Ended up losing his job, had some maturity issues early, sort of was that spoiled blue chip. He was on a reality TV show as a teenager, his high school and stuff. So he was sort of that spoiled diva quarterback, except he was humbled. He lost his job in Oklahoma. He goes to South Carolina, not the best team, not the most talent around him. And all he did is run around and make plays and beat big-time quarterbacks and big-time teams, bro. That's right, Gabe. I thought he was the best quarterback
5: down in Mobile. I think he's going to carry that momentum into Indianapolis. And as you were talking, as a matter of fact, I just got my notification that I'm approved for my credentials. So always appreciate that. I've been the pool reporter for the Associated Press the last several years. They've allowed me inside the Combine. They allow the fans in the Combine, but not the media. I've been lucky enough to be inside the Combine for those passing drills. So I'm looking forward to Spencer Rattler putting on a show because he has that arm. He has that mobility. You're right. The way Caleb Williams and Spencer Rattler behave, one guy gets coddled. The other guy literally to your point, they question his manhood. They question his maturity, but Spencer Rattler has won big games. He's had big time passing performances. And guess what? He's risen to the occasion against top 25 caliber teams. If you look at his numbers, and his performance against top-ranked competition, I think it's probably the best amongst this year's draft class. So I feel like, you know, he's kind of become the Rodney Dangerfield of this year's draft. You think back and say, well, who's this year's Dak Prescott? Who's this year's Aiden O'Connell? I think Spencer Rattler's that guy where, you know, he's not going to go on day one. He's probably going to go somewhere before the end of day two, but he's going to outperform and last a lot longer than some of the guys taken ahead of him. But That being said, the guy that I want to see throw the most is J.J. McCarthy, because I don't know why, Gabe, I go on all these different talk shows. Everybody wants to test and question whether or not J.J. McCarthy's a franchise quarterback. And I'm like, oh, wait, oh, pump the brakes. What don't you like about J.J. McCarthy? Please let me know, because I want to find out. And I hear things like, oh, well, they had had to run the ball a lot. Uh, You know, he doesn't have the best size. All right, well, if you don't like his frame, you don't like the system he played in, that's fine. But J.J. McCarthy is a heck of a thrower. He's a heck of an athlete. This guy, if you go search his film, he's got throws on there where he's rolling out opposite hash mark into tight windows. He has the confidence to throw the ball downfield. I don't know. I like everything the kid brings to the table. I think he's going to shine at the combine.
3: He had the third best quarterback rating in the country, 89.2. He completed seventy two point three percent of his passes and in critical situations against elite defenses. He star he was a starting quarterback for the Michigan Wolverines for two years. So let me just ask people that that somehow believe that that he's not great and he was just along for the ride with Michigan. When's the last time Michigan won a national championship before this year? Yeah, exactly. Nineteen ninety-seven jackasses, right? Was that a coincidence? <laughs> was was is that that that's a coincidence, right? That he showed up, and then suddenly they were unbeatable. He was twenty-seven and one in two years. The one game they lost was in a semifinal to TCU, and he played well in that game. Actually, the wheels fell off uh, early defensively for Michigan in that football game. And I've heard the same things about his size. Dude, he's 6'3", 202 pounds. Rick, he turned 21, bro, the week after they won the national championship. He's not 24. He's not 25. Have you guys ever heard of a weight room? You ever, like, really? Like, he's 20 years old and all his frame? (laughs) Yeah, because he's never going to get any bigger and stronger at all. Right, Rick, at all? He can't put on any weight after when he gets into the NFL. He's just a mobile, great athlete, bro, like prototypical. Like I said, he's not too tall, not too short, perfect size. He's mobile. He's accurate. He's got a strong arm as well. You know, there's some things he can work on as far as his mechanics are concerned, sure. But this kid's a winner, and I think he'll be the one down the road five years from now. People, he'll be the one playing in conference championship games. He'll be the one and he won a state championship with Nazareth High School in Illinois, they're not some football power or something, right? Then he went to IMG, and he didn't lose a game. And then he went to Michigan, and he lost lost one game uh, over the years. So he must be the luckiest guy ever, Rick, that the fact is that he never loses everywhere he's been. I guess everybody on Nazareth was amazing except him, right? (laughs) And you know IMG, everybody's good there, bro. No, I think there's some
5: credence to what you're saying. He's done it at every level. He's he's, uh, a proven winner, right? And I'll tell you what, I think he's going to run faster than maybe half of the running backs out there in Indianapolis. And it's sad to say that that's probably what it's going to take to maybe restart the media hype train. But to me, like New England Patriots, they're having a real conversation right now about whether or not J.J. McCarthy's the guy, because I tend to agree with you, Gabe. Like, when we're doing this, show, they did pretty well with now, another
3: Michigan Wolverine quarterback, too, that was supposedly not very athletic not coming shabby. into the league, right?
5: <laughs> not, not too shabby. And I don't think anybody would question it. And I'll even say this 10 years from now, when we're doing the sports raids and we come back and say who was the most successful quarterback from this year's draft class, it would not surprise me at all
3: if it's J.J. McCarthy. The question is where is he going to go in the draft? I had him penciled in. To Minnesota, and I was the first one up like after the championship game. After I had like 22 drinks and I was waxing poetic, I was like, I'm gonna fall I'm gonna be JJ McCarthy fan, I'm gonna be a fan of whatever team he goes to, man. Like in the NFL, I love this kid. And I, and I was like, He's gonna be a Minnesota Viking. I just sort of had a vision, he's gonna be a Minnesota Viking, and it makes a lot of sense. They draft 11th, but Everything that you just said, I'm buying the hype as well. I don't think he's going to last to 11. Like, if you're going to want to get J.J. McCarthy, you might have to trade up in the draft to do it now. And or he's going to go, like, top three, top five type deal. Like, you know what I mean? Like, New England will pull the trigger or something. It wouldn't shock me. It really wouldn't shock Everyone's elevated Jaden Daniels to number two. Are you buying into that? Is he, like, a lock now to be two or three? Well, I think, you know, if if you're playing tomorrow, you like
5: Drake May. If you're playing five years from now, you might prefer Jaden Daniels. So I think you really have to take that into consideration. I think that Drake May is the better quarterback to step in and start from day one. I think Jaden Daniels has the upside to develop into a better quarterback long term, but there's going to be some work required. So, you know, Drake May has the higher floor. Jaden Daniels has the higher ceiling. I'll take the guy that I know I can win with right now. Hope for the best. I think Drake may just has too many dominant traits, uh, football IQ, pocket poise, experience, scheme versatility, uh, not to take him number two. So I do, I do flip flop because I was here last week saying Jaden Daniels had moved above my board, but I think it's really a team by team, case by case situation. You know, as is the NFL draft, that's why it's such a beautiful thing.
3: One thing that really catches my eye, and I look forward to seeing how the wide receiver process plays out in Indianapolis, because this is a deep class of wide receivers. Everybody just talks about Marvin Harrison uh, all the time, and rightfully so. uh, But there's a lot of excitement uh, about uh, Worthy out of Texas. Uh, there's a lot of hype about Xavier Leggett out of uh, out of South Carolina as well. What's your take on some of these wide receivers besides Marvin Harrison Jr.? Yeah, well, Malik you Neighbors another just, one.
5: Yeah, Neighbors is a big time dynamic playmaker. Rome uh, Odunze is somebody who I like as my number two wide receiver because I just think he's big, he's physical, he's explosive, he returns kicks, he's a good uh, dynamic punt returner. So that that boosts Odunze above Neighbors. Just slightly for me. I think they're both top 10 candidates. And I think you're going to see a bunch of wide receivers here kind of clustered. You talked about Xavier Worthy, who has like four three speed. Uh, then you got a guy like Keon Coleman and, and, and Johnny Wilson out of Florida State. But Size your guys, point, yeah. He, yeah. Leggett, though, he was a guy they kind of questioned whether or not he can run the whole route tree. He went down to Mobile. He did his thing. He ran fast. He ran all the routes. He caught all the balls thrown in his direction. And I would say it was refreshing to see some new wide receivers kind of steal some of the limelight because I thought Roman Wilson actually had the best change of direction and ability to separate, create separation in small area spaces. That was Roman Wilson all week long. Michigan don't Wolverines.
3: But we got get out of for here, for Rick. It. Quickly, quickly. glad is going to blow the roof off and move Oil City in the first round. Shout out to our boy Rick Saratella. Always great talking football uh, with Rick, and there's a lot of stuff uh, to talk about. And I've been bringing up the odds pretty much on a nightly basis, and it's amazing how fluid they are. They change, right? These aren't point spreads, man. They're not set in stone. And all it takes is like one report. And I've told you guys this. This is why I like betting these type of props and the draft a lot because the the sports books really have no clue. And all they're doing is following social media and reports, which 99.9% of the time aren't true, right? So there was a report, Pro Football Talk, Mike Florio. He was the one that said the Pittsburgh Steelers like uh, Justin Fields and, and that Mike Tomlin's always like Justin Fields. Suddenly the Pittsburgh Steelers became favorites for Justin Fields. Um, Justin Fields scratched the Chicago Bears from his social media accounts, and for some reason, suddenly, the Atlanta Falcons became plus 100 um, to land Justin Fields, right? So, basically, you're not going to win every one of these plays, but you can sort of just stockpile a bunch of plus money plays that make sense at the time. Like, a good example was we all know that Justin Fields to the Falcons makes a hell of a lot of sense. Last night when we were talking about it, it was like plus 350. Well, not anymore, right? It's plus 100 right now. And all it will take is one report that another team likes them to swing the odds. So you sort of try to stockpile a bunch of plus 300s, 400s, you know, plus 250s, as many as you can, and then you just wait for them all to cash uh, when it's all said and done. So looking at the updated uh, numbers uh, right now as far as, some of these um, player props are concerned. Let's get you up to date with Justin Fields. And I don't know, Justin Fields did an interview today on a podcast, but they're hyping it up. They're going to air it tomorrow, I think, or on Thursday or something, about him scrubbing, you know, the Bears. And he, oh, well, let me tell you about that. And so whatever, we're in that season right now. But as far as Justin Fields is concerned, what team will it be on in September the Atlanta Falcons are plus 100 right now. The Steelers are plus 300. It's funny that the Bears are plus 800 when the Bears were like plus 250 last night. I told you guys that's ridiculous because there's not a open alley he's going to be on the Bears. So the Bears are plus 800. So in other words, if you're one of the people out there and you're part of the camp that thinks that the Chicago Bears are going to trade the first pick and they're going to keep Justin Fields, then you can get that right now at plus 800. And as I just stated, I don't have a problem with it of stockpiling these picks. In fact, I'm going to grab a piece. Listen, you get a piece of him to stay with the Bears at plus 800. I think they're going to trade the pick. But now you've got 800 in your back pocket. Now we can attack. All right, where is he going to end up? You can go big on Atlanta. The thing with Atlanta is it makes a ton of sense. They need a quarterback. They need to upgrade a quarterback. Desmond Ritter clearly was not the answer. Heineke's not the answer. They have good talent. It's a winnable division. You know what I mean? They get a good quarterback. They're Super Bowl contenders just because the NFC sucks. So, right, they'll be right in the mix in, in, in the playoffs. Look, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers made the playoffs this year. Right? So, you know, we we, we see you know, that Tom Brady went to this division and won. If they get a good quarterback, they could be competitive. But maybe they don't think Justin Fields is the guy. Right? Just because... We're we're projecting this on the Atlanta Falcons. Maybe, listen, the Falcons are picking eighth in the draft. For all we know, the Falcons think that, you know what, we love this guy, and he's going to be there at eight, and he's going to be our new quarterback. We don't know, right? We're projecting Justin Fields on the Falcons because it makes sense. And, oh, yeah, he happens to be from the area. But they didn't draft him, right? They didn't draft him. They knew he was from the air. They didn't, they had a chance to. They didn't draft him. They also it was also thought that the Atlanta Falcons would be in play for for Lamar Jackson, and they weren't. So they've shown a hasn't you know they haven't shown that they're in some urgent like need to sign some big time quarterback. They seem to like try to you know I don't I don't know what their theory is I don't know why I don't know what it is maybe now it'll be different will Arthur Blank think differently about this? But there's no guarantee that they're in love with Justin Fields. We're projecting that on them. I do believe that Justin Fields will get dealt, but at plus 800, that's worth a back pocket play. Because I personally, and I don't know, like I have nothing, there's no, I'm not trying to, you know, break any news here or anything like that. But I personally think that Williams would prefer to be on Washington. Chicago's, you know, quarterbacks go to Chicago to die, right? And it's not like Washington's some great spot either, but he's from Washington. You know, he's from Washington, and oh, yeah, they just hired Cliff Kingsbury, right, to be the offensive coordinator, who was the offensive coordinator at USC. So he's worked with Cliff Kingsbury. He's buddies with Cliff Kingsbury, and Kingsbury just got hired, by the team that Caleb Williams, hometown, happens to be, who happened to have the second pick of the draft. Like if there's a team that could move up and make it happen, it would and if you're Chicago, it's a good spot because you could you could take a couple of draft picks away from Washington in the future and you're only moving down one spot. So you're still in control. If you don't want the quarterback, you can get whoever the hell you want after you get Marvin Harrison, you get Brock Bowers, you get whoever you wanted after right, to actually help Justin Fields. So just because these odds say plus 100 right now doesn't mean that Justin Fields is going to be an Atlanta Falcon. So like I said, you sort of have to think outside the box of to like, all right, you know, where am I getting value now? There's no value with the Falcons at plus 100. The Steelers are plus 300. I've never bought in that the Steelers are going to do it in the first place. The Patriots are plus 600. It doesn't make sense for the Patriots. They have the third overall pick in the draft. The thing with Justin Fields is I don't think everybody loves him. And number two is he's going to get paid. He's going to make a lot of money soon. So if you're the New England Patriots, you're rebuilding anyways. You just say, all right, we'll get a rookie quarterback on a rookie deal here. We're not going to trade picks and stuff for Justin Fields. So that doesn't make any sense. The Broncos at 12-1, to the Broncos have already traded away a bunch of picks. Right for Russell Wilson. And they still have Russell Wilson that they gotta get rid of. So I dunno I don't know if they're going to um I think the I think the Broncos, I can see the Broncos drafting a quarterback. Like I said, if JJ McCarthy is there at twelve. The Raiders are twelve to one. They're kinda interesting at twelve to one just because the Raiders I do think the Raiders are due to make a splash at the quarterback position. Right. They've gone the veteran route and the Jimmy G stuff and like, you know, the no name stuff with Aiden O'Connell and and who was the other kid that they had out of Baylor that came over from the Patriots. You know what I'm talking about? That played after Carr. Um they, they 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 need a real quarterback. They need a you know, they need a franchise quarterback. They need a face like of the of the franchise. Like think if they had like a CJ Stroud on the Raiders right now. Right? So Do the Raiders say, you know what? We've got money. The Raiders do have money under the cap. People always question Davis and how much money he has, but the Raiders technically do have money under the cap here, especially now due to the fact that Jimmy G uh, failed the drug test. They can just get rid of him now and it won't, you know, they got the money. So Kirk Cousins to the Raiders makes sense, more so than Justin Fields. Like, you know what I mean? Justin Fields is still somewhat developmental, right? Kirk Cousins, you know what you're getting with Kirk Cousins. You got Devontae Adams. If you're the Raiders, you can say, you know what? Point blank. We'll just have Kirk Cousins drop back and bomb it to Devontae Adams. I can see the Raiders liking Kirk Cousins, and the Raiders have money for it. So just for the record, the Raiders are plus 800 for Kirk Cousins. Like, this is a good example here. It's just sort of a bad number. Kirk Cousins is minus 225 to go back to the Vikings. There's not a hope in hell he's going to be on the Vikings next year. Like, the Vikings are clearly rebuilding. They're not going to pay this guy $50 million a year to be a mediocre football team, right? They they want to get a new quarterback. They want to, like, rebuild this thing and, you know, get a new face in a franchise and a rookie deal and all that. So... I don't understand. So, like, by definition that he's minus 225 to go back to Minnesota, like, you're almost getting value with everybody else suddenly because I don't think he's going to be on Minnesota. In the same way I said last night, I thought it was crazy the Bears were plus 250 for Justin Fields. Now it's plus 800. That makes more sense. So, like, Kirk Cousins will not be back on the Vikings. So the question is, where does Kirk Cousins end up? Like, that's why I'm saying Justin Fields plus 100 to Atlanta is not a good bet now when maybe Atlanta's thinking, you know what? Let's get a veteran quarterback and Kirk Cousins and we're going to win a division and we're going to go to the playoffs and you know Kirk Cousins is plus 400 to be on the Falcons. He's plus 800 to be on the Raiders. I think those are the two front runners uh for Kirk Cousins right now. And uh same thing, you know you got you got odds for uh, for Mike uh, Mike Evans and I don't think Mike Evans is going to be back with the Bucks. But Russell Wilson's another one. Russell Wilson's the wild card. Suddenly, the Pittsburgh Steelers are plus one hundred and fifty for Russell Wilson. Tannenbaum, Mike Tannenbaum, former Jet GM, ESPN um, NFL analyst. He had a he had a take earlier in the week. He said that nobody's going to make Russell Wilson their starter. I don't believe that personally. I disagree with that. I, I I respect his opinion, but I disagree with that. I think that Russell Wilson will end up being a starter. The question is where, but at the same point in time, does Phil, you know what I mean? Does Pittsburgh say, you know what, we could bring Russell Wilson in, he could compete with Kenny Pickett, and whoever whoever's better wins the job, but the problem with that is they're both kind of equally sort of average, so that's kind of a problem when you have two average dudes battling it out, but the Pittsburgh Steelers are suddenly in favor for Russell Wilson. I could see it sort of, but not enough to bet it at plus one hundred and fifty. The Falcons for Russell Wilson at plus three hundred and fifty. You got to remember, like Kirk Cousins is going to get paid like fifty million dollars a year. Russell Wilson's already been paid, and everybody knows the situation, right? It's like, listen, dude, you're filthy rich. You you made a ton of money. You got a massive guaranteed deal, like and a bunch of money up front from from Denver. And you're not as good as you used to be, so there's no way in hell we're paying you 50 or 40. Like, we're not paying you that type of money. Look, Baker Mayfield just played for $4 million this past year and made it to the playoffs. All right? He's due for a big uh, a big raise, obviously. I'm not saying that Russell Wilson's going to accept $4 million a year, but he's not in any position to break your your cap or break the bank. You know what I'm saying? So... Even though you might think, and I might look at Russell Wilson and say, well, he's not what he once was, teams will look at him and say, you know, he's better than what we have, and he won't cost that much, and we don't even have to give up anything for him. So Russell Wilson's definitely going to be in a mix as sort of plan B and plan C after some of these other players are taken, right? Teams miss out in the draft. Teams miss out on her cousins. So it'll be interesting to see how all this plays out and it'll all start in a couple of days at the Combine. But these updated numbers right now, I think that the um, I think the Kirk Cousins numbers are worth a look here. Kirk Cousins to the Raiders at eight to one. Kirk Cousins to the Falcons at four to one. All it'll take is one stupid report on Twitter and uh, about him going to the Raiders and suddenly the Raiders will be plus three hundred only.
0: Reese, you did it! You stumped this charming devil.
3: 64, 60 right now for St. Mary's. St. Mary's are up by four with 3:02 left in the basketball game. Um, they're up a four spot. So the total we've got over 132 and a half. I also played. I laid seven and a half at the half with St. Mary's. They're up four, and I also played over 124 and a half at the half. So we're already at 124. That's gonna hit. Hopefully, we can get potentially a split uh here but i'd like just to make sure we get that over uh 132 and a half so we talked about the college football playoff format a little bit uh, earlier the new playoff format our boy joe lisi was on the pharrell show earlier in the day uh today joe's going through college football draws, man he's already looking forward to the heisman trophy he's nuts
6: quinn ewers and
3: carson beckett plus
6: 750 will howard dylan gabriel Jalen Miller, look at this. What do we got here, Joe? Heisman odds for you. Carver, that list is loaded in regards to quarterbacks. Dylan Gabriel is the one quarterback that stands out because of Bo Nix and the type of progression that he had transferring from Auburn with Dan Lanning, 18-1. to And think about what Dylan Gabriel did in regards to big games. Knocked off Texas. Texas made it to the college football playoff. But, you know, is interesting, new New coaching staff with DeBoer and all those transfers. The one that stands out for me are the two bottom ones. I don't like Nussmeyer because I still think he's a little inconsistent. It doesn't have the RPO that Jaden Daniels did. But I love Jackson Dart, baby. Going now with Lane Kiffin in year number three. Sky is the limit. I think Ole Miss is loaded. They lose Junkins. It doesn't matter. He could put up dynamic numbers. They they were a ten win football team last year, got the win over Penn State. I'm telling you, they they have a legitimate shot to make the college football playoff at eighteen to one. That is great value
3: for Jackson Dart. One thing about the Heisman Trophy, the favorites never win. It's always like somebody. I mean, when Joe Burrow won the Heisman, he was like 190 to one that year. Oftentimes, players will come out of the dark and, and steal it.